I, I love this scene just because of like the kind of comedy of, of the kind of repetition and the yelling and everything. Um, and we find out that, yes, they have got the right Ryan and they kind of know where he is. Um, and they kind of set them in. They say, you know, he was going to be going to Ramel, which is a non-existent village, not a real place. doesn't exist. Um, so <laughs> so um, there was never a battle of Ramel because there's no Ramel. It's not a real place. Um so, but, you know, this film is so convincing, you would really believe that that was a thing that happened. Um, so, obviously, now they have a destination. They know where, um, you know, uh, Ryan's unit was heading, and so that's where they're going to go. Uh, but, obviously, because this film is two hours and 46 minutes <laughs> or something, like, uh, they've got to get a little diverted. And so this is where they see, they see, like, a radar dish that's set up as, like, an ambush. Because um, they can see a lot of bodies that are missing heads. Um, and, you know, they kind of make the choice that they're, you know, well, the you know, captain makes the choice that they're going to have to kind of, whoever's in there, like whoever's manning this, they want to take them out so that they don't ambush anybody else who comes past. Um, and I like that he does, like, he kind of just starts, like, taking off his equipment <laughs> and kind of, like, redressing himself, like, ready for just, like, you know, rushing up to, like, a, you know, to, like, a, a machine gun place. So, like, like I like that he does this while he's kind of telling them what they're going to do. And it's like, he's already made the decision. And I do kind of think it's funny that we we start to almost get, like, a vote amongst everybody else where they're like, I don't think this is a good idea. I don't want to do this. And he's like, um, you know, this is not a democracy. This is you know this is <laughs> this is the army i'm the captain if i tell you to do this we're doing it like yeah you know he, it's not he, up for discussion um, yeah, he, he's not wrong <laughs> i mean they, yeah. they they can complain all they want you still ultimately have to do it yeah so i thought that was funny that like he's already like taking his equipment off and everything and get and they're, they're just staring at him saying no we don't want to do this and, he, and it's almost like he's like too late like, <laughs> like i've already decided i don't want the next company that comes past to get ambushed by this this kind of machine gun so we're gonna take it out now um yeah even if we all die that's well that's it you know like that's that's what's gonna happen um and this is where we switch to upham as our main like focus we don't get to see what they do. Like, we don't get... Like, they kind of discuss the plan. They say they're going to... You know, someone's going to go to the left. Someone's going to go to the right. He's going to go down the middle. I like the kind of discussion between him and Tom Sizemore where he's like, maybe I should go to the left. And he's like, no. And he's like, maybe I should go to the right. And he's like, no, no, no. And he's like, maybe I should go to the middle. And he's like, no. Like, I'm going down the middle. I like he says, the way you run. And he's like, no, I'm going... Like, I just kind of like how he's... He, like, he's asserting himself. Uh, we do get a tiny bit of like Tom Hanks yelling, where, where he's like, "No, I'm going down the middle. Like that's that's the plan. Like it's there's no discussion going on here. Like I've told you." Um, and as they go, as they kind of run out, and we see them like throwing a couple of grenades and shooting and stuff, we then switch to Upham, and that he's at, he's now our perspective basically. Like we're just going to see him and what he sees, and he just sees a lot of smoke and shooting, and, <laughs> and it's not completely clear what's happening and whether or not they've been successful. Um, and then eventually he kind of joins them through kind of like the the fog that surrounds and this is where we find out um that wade has taken a bullet um now you, you've and, you've brought up the whole need to um hide the but not hide the budget but you know cut costs that is one way to have an action scene <laughs> and cut some costs yeah <laughs> just have it from the the new guy's perspective and it's just it's just a fog of war literally <laughs> yeah what i do love though is it works because he is kind of the new guy and he hasn't got the kind of experience 
And so he would make sense that he was hang back with like all the ammo and everything. Right. And you know, he's, he, yeah, he, he doesn't be the one. He, 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 I always used to joke about boot camp that, you know, just enough to get yourself killed if you had to go to combat. Like, cause you don't really learn yeah. tactics and, and, and being an infantryman in, um, in, in boot camp. You learn drill, you learn how to fire your rifle and all that, but you're not, you know, and he's an admin guy. He's not, he's, you know, and, and given that this is, you know, he, what is he? He's a corporal, I think in this, um, uh, you know, he's been, yeah, he's a corporal. Yeah. You know, so he's probably been in long enough, but again, he probably went right from boot camp to his school to write, you know, out to doing whatever it is he's doing in administration. So it's not like he's had a lot of time to probably get involved with, uh, with uh, um, combat or anything like that. Yeah, but I, I mean, I like, I like the fact that it, this gives us the surprise that Wade has been shot. Uh, if we'd have been in the action, we'd have seen Wade get shot. Um, but as it is, we when we when we finally kind of roll upon everybody um, at the kind of machine gun position, we find out Wade's been shot and he's bleeding a lot. And this is, you know. Um, uh, this is like the Ewok dying in Return of the Jedi. Like, you know, the Nazis get shot uh, in the head and we see them die in like three seconds. Wade is going to get five minutes of very slow death. Um, <laughs> where Because he's the medic, of course, he's having to advise everybody else on how to save his life. Um, and the end result is just give him all the morphine. Like, and that's the only thing they can do. Um, you know, there's even a point where he's like exclaiming my liver, you know, because obviously that's where the bullet has kind of come out. Um, and it's, you know, I think Giovanni Ribisi here, he, like, he gives kind of an amazing, like, it's an amazing death scene. Like, you know, I think Vin Diesel kind of did the kind of quiet, like just lying there bleeding out death scene. Um, but you know, with, with, with the kind of Wade, you know, this is the last time we're going to get like a long drawn out death scene. Like after this, when people get killed, uh, they get killed quickly. Um, you know, this is, this is, this is going to be like a long, slow death. Um, and you know, he's like, give me some morphine. And they obviously give him a morphine shot. And then, you know, a, a kind of a minute later is like, he needs more morphine. Um, and they kind of ba basically, I think they give him all the morphine that they've got on them, um, gradually. Um, and obviously this is where he kind of, as he's dying, he kind of cries for his mom. And, you know, it's just like, it's kind of heartbreaking, um, you know, we we obviously know in this that, you know, people are going to die. Um, you know, you kind of you kind of know that from the outset. And obviously we saw, I don't know, dozens of people dying on the beach. And, you know, they've obviously shot a few Nazis along the way. And so but it's it kind of hits quite hard because, you know, we've, we've been with him for like an hour. And obviously when he was at the camp, he was kind of going around treating soldiers. And, you know, the fact that like the medic is dying, it's kind of like, well, you know, from this point on, they've got nobody to kind of save them. <laughs> like, you know, not that he could do much for them. Um, but like, this is, this is like, this is a kind of dire situation. Um, and all the meds you know, are gone. And I do like that Giovanna <laughs> Rubisi kind of gets, and I do like that Giovanna Rubisi kind of like gets the kind of like the big, like this is the kind of big death scene in this film, like this kind of slow, until we kind of get later on in the film where obviously, you know, somebody who who's on the poster uh, kind of gets a, a more extreme death scene. Um, but just this kind of either kind of the gradual like kind of the crying out and then the gradual acceptance and then just the fact that they basically fill him with like you know morphine just to kind of ease the pain um you know it's 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 kind of sad to see him go although obviously uh, being a scientologist he will uh you know meet xenu in the afterlife so he'll be quite happy there he'll have 
Uh, yeah. So, and uh, obviously at this point we get to meet um, a character who is called Steamboat Willie, uh, which is a German, and uh, I think his name is Jörg Stadler, uh, is the actor. And I mean, this is kind of what he's known for. Like, I don't think he, you know, he's done a lot of kind of films after this. Uh, you know, a few English films and stuff like that. Um, but you know, this is kind of the biggest role he's kind of had, and he. Like, it's kind of like I don't know, kind of tragic because uh, I mean, obviously he's, you know, he they they make him dig the grave that they're gonna put, um, you know, they're gonna put uh Wade into, um, and I think they're also making him dig his own grave <laughs> that they're gonna kill him and put him in, um, and so obviously he's trying to convince Upham, who you know is the only one who's left to supervise him, um, you know that he's he you know deserves to stay alive. And he kind of does this by telling him how much he likes America. And, you know, in particular, kind of like obviously he he finishes by saying Steamboat Willie and kind of doing like the mimicking the actions of the cartoon. Uh, and that is obviously, um, you know, the kind of like the, the kind of what, why they call him Steamboat Willie. Um, and I I mean, I, I think I th obviously there's meant to be some kind of dramatic irony <laughs> later on with this particular character. Um but I th I think it's interesting that like you know it's I, I don't know this is trying to humanize the Nazis but this is really the this is the only Nazi that we really hear speak in any way and so it's kind of interesting that like he's basically begging for his life and they're basically making it look like Nazis are cowards which I guess is a take and um, I I kind of like I I kind of yeah uh, and I kind of like as well that like. You know, he to kind of ingratiate himself. He then says to them, "I think in the only f bombs that get dropped in this entire film, fuck Hitler," which I, which is just like, <laughs> it's a, it's like a great moment because it's like yeah, I guess I mean, I think people would agree with that. But yeah, like that's the last kind of desperate hope he has to try and convince them. Um, and of course, because Captain Miller is, you know, a good person, you know, he kind of blindfolds him and says. You know, go a thousand yards in that way, and then you know get picked up by the next you know company. Um, you know, and when when they're like, you know, why can't we just kill him? He's like, he's a he's a prisoner of war. You know, they've got rules to follow. Uh, again, yeah. Well, yeah, they shot they shot those guys early in the movie who were surrendering. Yeah. I don't understand why now all of a sudden it's a controversy of them. I mean, the right thing to do is yes, not to shoot them. He was surrendering. Yeah, but they've already done it on film. <laughs> it's so it's. But yeah, that, that's it. This is all we're going to see of this guy, and we will. This won't come back to bite him in the butt at all. Nope. No, no. That's he. He. I don't know. He goes off and he gets captured by the. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, I think as well. This is interesting because this is where we we kind of get the payoff to the kind of the setup earlier of like what does Captain Miller do back home? Um, you know, Rayburn is basically going to desert. He's like, why are we freeing Nazis? I just I I don't like this mission. I'm going. Um, obviously Tom Sizemore pulls a gun and everybody starts yelling at each other apart from Tom Hanks which is a change because normally he likes a good yell and you know so he says what is the pool up to and they're like what are you talking about he's like the pool on me what is it up to because obviously they've all been betting on what his job is and I think they're like $300 which in today's money that's that's a lot of money um you know that's like a that's a few grand <laughs> so like and he says to them 
I'm a school teacher back home, you know, and he says, you know, I coached a baseball team, which he did in a league of their own. So I don't know if that's an inside joke or whatever, but, um, you know, he's uh, he he reveals this. And I think it's interesting because he says, obviously, back home, everyone thinks he's like everyone knows he's a teacher because that's what they think he looks like. But obviously now he's in war. People can't guess what he's, you know, they're, they're betting so much it's got up to $300. They can't guess what he does because he doesn't look like a teacher anymore. Um, and I think, obviously, you know, Tom Hanks being a great actor, he really gets across the idea that the, the more he's at war, the less he feels like he's going to be a teacher when he gets home. And, you know, like the people are going to recognize him and that, you know, like his wife is going to recognize him. Um, this obviously calms everyone down because now they found out what he does back home. Um, and they all kind of resign themselves to the fact that they've got to go to, um, you know, Ramel, and they've got to find Ryan, and that's their their mission, and then, you know, they, they're just going to have to do that. You know, they've lost two guys. You know, they're obviously devastated, um, but, you know, the fighting kind of ends. Um, and I think, you know, like his speech about the fact that he doesn't feel like he's going to be able to go back home, um, you know, is probably one of the best in the film, just the way that Tom kind of delivers it. Yeah, I Tom Hanks, he's a pretty decent actor. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely like the the fact that he's just like, you know, uh, Ryan like means nothing. Like it's just the mission. And if that if completing the mission is going to get him back home and to his wife and to the people that he loves, you know, that's that's what he's got to do. Yeah. And I think in particular, like when when they keep talking, like I can't remember if it's this scene or earlier, but they're like arguing and they're like, "What's the mission?" And he's like, "To win the war." Like, <laughs> you know, like that's like everything. Every part of this is just building towards that goal. And you know, if if getting Ryan and getting him home is going to help win the war, then that's what they're going to do. Um, and obviously, they then bury all the bodies in a lovely shot. I mean, beautifully shot by Janusz uh, Kamiński against the kind of the as the sun is setting. They bury all the bodies of the people who've been ambushed and um you know then they go on and they get they get into a field and we see a vehicle coming along and they kind of hide and you're like oh i wonder what's going to happen here obviously they i mean they, i don't think they're going to damage the vehicle by jumping out and shooting it with bullets so uh, <laughs> but it doesn't matter because all of a sudden it explodes <laughs> and uh and then we get ourselves some good old-fashioned nazi sniping as uh they wear they kind of they're like check that they're all dead so obviously as people jump out they start shooting them um and then they go around to the side to make sure there's no more nazis and but there are and they come out and they shoot them all dead again um now they're confused as to exactly why this vehicle randomly exploded um and then some guys come out of the bushes and we find out that one of them has a uh like a bazooka and i say like a bazooka it is a bazooka (laughs) and the the person who is holding that bazooka is, of course, indie darling uh, Matt, Damon, um, <laughs> Matt Damon, who um, originally wasn't going to be in this film because Steven Spielberg saw him in Courage Under Fire and thought, that kid's way too skinny. Not realizing, obviously, that Matt Damon had lost a ton of weight for that role. <laughs> and then when he <laughs> saw Goodwill Hunting and he was back up to his normal weight, he was like, oh, yeah, no, I guess I'll cast him in this next in my next film. <laughs> Um, and so obviously, you know, Goodwill Hunting was the film that kind of got him this role. Um, and yeah, I mean, looking so young, um, it's kind of, it's really, when I, I mean, you know, like I said, I hadn't seen this film since I watched it in cinema and then watching Matt Damon roll up here with his like short hair. And I was like, 
he looks really, really young, <laughs> like ridiculously <laughs> young. Um, and of course, he's meant to be playing a character who's from like I don't know Iowa or Iowa, Idaho or Ohio, it's somewhere I- like that. It is Iowa, right? Isn't it Iowa? Is it? Yeah. yeah. But obviously, he can't help but like occasionally sound like he's from Boston. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing Boston, <laughs> Iowa. I mean, everybody uh, sounded like that in the '40s. You know, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, what I like here as well is the fact that like he, they, they introduce each other and he says Ryan and then Tom Hanks is like, uh, you know, James Francis Ryan. And I like Matt Damon's reaction of like, how did you guess that? Which yeah. is just like, <laughs> it's such a such a nice little kind of moment where he's like, you know, because we're going to, you know, take you home. <laughs> like, yeah. um, they don't explain it straight away, of course. We get to... Um, what I'm going to call welcome to the third act. We're in Ramel. Um, and they go to the village. Um, and obviously because, you know, uh, what I find funny as well is, I mean, I mentioned a league of their own in the film, a league of their own. One of the ladies loses their husbands in the war. Uh, the character is nicknamed Betty Spaghetti. And Tom Hanks kind of has to tell her that her husband's dead. <laughs> And so this is not the first time that he's had to tell someone that someone has died in World War Two on film. So uh, I just thought it was a funny little kind of callback. Um, you know, he takes Ryan to one side and he says to him, you know, um, your brothers are all dead. And, uh, you know, Matt Damon, obviously, you know, he won an Oscar for writing. Um, but I'd say that this like this kind of performance, this and, you know, he's I, it's worth saying as well. We're we're like an hour from the end of the film. When we finally met Ryan. Um, and. His his kind of performance is is like his his kind of shock and like his immediate grief is so well played where like, you know, Tom Hanks is like, you know, your brother's all dead. And it, like he's kind of mystified as to like how that's possible. Like he d- kind of doesn't understand it. And he kind of plays it so well. Like you can see like, you know, the kind of the tears. It's just like he doesn't like he's immediately like. And then the fact that he tries to play it off and he's like, well, I'm not going home. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, that, you know, like kind of the way he reacts makes sense. Like he doesn't like he, he doesn't want his mother to get like a fourth letter saying your son's dead. But at the same time, he also doesn't like he can't go back now. He's like, what what have his brothers died for if he just ends up like leaving the war like now and not doing anything? Um and I, I just love I just love the way he kind of plays it, you know, and, and you know, the kind of the, the acting between Hanks and Damon is it's what sells his film. It's like, you know, they the way they kind of interact with each other, you know, for the rest of the film, basically, like it's it's kind of amazing. I like that it was a different take too. it was more low key than Nathan Fillion's Ryan when he was like, oh, my brothers, you know, you know like and, and so they didn't go for the same, you know, dramatic. It's it's I don't know. It, it, it's you can see why Damon was the our saver private our Ry, private Ryan and not you know Nathan Fillion as much as I love Captain Malcolm Reynolds. <laughs> yes, of course. I was going to say he doesn't quite match up to Fillion. It's a different take. It's a different take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, what I what I like as well is how obviously they know that like they they've got to get Ryan, but at the same time you know. Uh, this village needs defending and they can't just like take him and just go. And I think it's funny as well because like Ryan, like when they get to this village, like the, the guys that are there are like, oh, so you're you're the backup. How many are there? And he's like, eight. 
<laughs> it's like you know, like and like you know, that's when they turned up, you know, with Paul Giamatti. They're like, oh, there's only eight of us, and and now when they turn up here, it's like you're the backup. It's like no, we're not the backup. Like we're here to take a soldier away from you basically <laughs> so like you know we're gonna make things worse uh but they kind of they decide you know we're gonna stay they're gonna help and then obviously once they've done that then they're gonna you know that's it first thing next plane ryan's on you know back home that's it like that's you know ryan is kind of convinced them that they've they've got to kind of you know stay here and secure the bridge like it's it you know they've they've already put a ton of bombs on it and they're gonna blow it up so they need to at least stay here long enough to kind of you know stop the germans from getting any further um, and then, of course, uh, this is where, uh, you know, John Miller shows that he's a captain and he's like, let's start making sticky bombs. Um, <laughs> and every, everyone's like, what is a sticky bomb? And he's like, it's in the manual. Like when you go to basic training, they give you a manual. It's in that manual. Read, read that. And they're like, well, we've got no manuals to so tell us. Uh, and I think it's a nice kind of like walk and talk as he explains what you've got to do. It's like, you know, you put some TNT and some socks and then you stick them onto things and then you blow them up like like that's it like it's it's not that difficult um oh, great. And i do now we like the kind of oh, ed burns is like now we've got to give up our socks yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> griping to the very end <laughs> yeah just as every soldier would yeah <laughs> Uh, which is funny because, yeah. <laughs> uh, because, of course, in his previous war experience, uh, Tom Hanks knows that the the best thing that you need is your socks. That's the thing that you've got to, as mm-hmm. as Lieutenant Dan said to him, you know, make sure you've got good, clean socks. Um, yeah, so, as, as Eddie Corman will tell you, there, you, that's what you do. Change your socks. If, yeah. if you have any problem in the military, you take drink water, you take Motrin, and then you take, you know, and then you take. Uh, clean pair of socks you should be cured that's yeah. all any medic ever needs to do on the <laughs> battlefield <laughs> uh, yeah so uh, and I, I like how obviously you know they know the Germans are coming you know they've they've got an idea of it so they kind of they've got time to kind of set stuff up um, and at this point Mellish is like he says to Upham like you're going to be you know you're going to handle the ammo like when people need ammo you're just going to run to them with the ammo you're not going to start shooting people because obviously you can't shoot people you know so just just do that like don't don't think about anything else like just make sure you can get ammo to people we'll see how well that works out once the battle starts <laughs> like um but then upham shows that he is useful because you know they're playing some edf pf and he basically translates it for them and i thought this is just a nice moment like you know the calm before the storm um you know they're kind of talking about how um you know what like her lover left and all this kind of stuff and he's kind of just translating it on the go and you know it's not it's not i think like kind of the re- the interaction between kind of like him and horvath and stuff like upham is just kind of being like you know this is the thing he he does he you know he knows these languages and you know he's kind of using it in like you know kind of a, a nice way just to be like this is what she's singing about and horvath is like oh you know like that's the chorus and like they kind of just you know, it's a nice moment between him and the rest of the guys. Um, you know, it feels like they've kind of accepted him a little bit you yeah. know, as one of their own. And then um, we get uh, uh, Ryben finally decides to share his own little story, which is just like, uh, oh, yeah, <laughs> the, the big breasted girl at home. If you see something that upsets you, just think yeah. of these. <laughs> yeah. Like, Thanks for sharing, Ryben. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Inter- interestingly enough, um, obviously, uh, earlier in the film, we had Captain Miller reveal that he's a teacher, and that speech went on a lot longer, and Tom Hanks was like, <laughs> let's cut it down. <laughs> let's cut it down, and let's just make it very short to the point. And uh, Steven Spielberg was like, okay. 
And then when it came to this speech, he basically said to Matt Damon, just like come up with something, just improvise a story, make it your own. And, you know, it was only meant to be like a couple of lines or something. And he ended up like improvising like five, ten minutes of this long story. Oh, that's cool. And they kind of cut it down and just kind of kept it, at, you know, so it felt like it was natural story. And it's really weird because it kind of feels like um, some of the stuff he did in Goodwill Hunting when he was kind of like talking about his brothers that didn't exist and stuff. Yeah. And it, it like it, it kind of brings an element of that, like with the names where he's just kind of saying, oh, Danny would do this. And like just the, the fact that he's kind of naming st- like their names and, you know, it does feel like he's kind of remembering his brothers in that moment, you know, and the fact the fact that he said to Miller, you know, like, I can't remember their faces. And he's like, well, you know, think of a situation and then, you know, you'll be in that situation. You remember. And obviously that's what he's doing. Um, I, I thought it, it was is... funny that at the end of the story, he was like, and how do you like them apples? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, and the weirdest thing is he had a napkin ready and everything. It was just such yeah. a, I was like, this feels out of place for, yeah. I, this is where, and to be honest, this is where his Boston accent comes through the most when he's telling the story. Because he really just kind of turns into Matt Damon. It doesn't, he, He's not. He the probably had a few really. drinks on set to get to get through this story that he concocted. You know, like he's at a bar telling his story, and you know, you know, when you drink, you, your accent comes out a little bit thicker than if you're hiding one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's. I mean, it's obviously a great moment, and you know, it's it's one of those things where you're like, you know, as they get to the end of the story, he he's just kind of, you know, it's almost like he's come to terms with the fact that his brothers are dead, and like, you know. You know, he says that was like the last day that we were all together in the same place, you know, before like, you know, Danny went to basic training the next day. And it's like, you know, it, it's the realization that like he, he's never going to see them again, um, you know, but we've got no time to wait because the Germans are approaching. Oh, oh, wait, wait, um, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry. You got to mention yes. this, this is a Tom Hanks podcast and this moment where Matt Damon's like, oh, now tell me about your wife and those rose bushes. And he's like, nope. That one I saved just for me. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. I like that line in his his performance in that. It's pretty good. Like, it's just a little thing. He's like, nope. It's almost like Captain America. Nope. I don't think I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that. I mean, yeah. Like, you know, he again, like he, he wants to try and separate the war from his home life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he feels that if he starts sharing stories, you know, he's going to he's going to lose that. Um. But yeah, the Germans are here. We're two hours and seven minutes in, <laughs> and uh, we go. It's weird because like the combined running time of the two battles mean that a film that is almost three hours is basically one hour of battles. Um, so we go into the final battle, and um, I mean I like this kind of battle in the town, like the way that they're kind of moving from point to point. They've laid out the fact that obviously they have the Alamo, which is the final point where you have to get to that and you have to blow up the bridge. And, you know, if you can't do that, then, you know, that's it. We've lost. Um, So they kind of lay out the stakes, but everybody is kind of in position. Um, You know, the sniper is in the tower. Um, You know, they know that there's a couple of tanks and there's, you know, a couple of divisions coming their way. So they've they've got to basically try and take out the tanks with the sticky bombs and the sniper is going to pick everybody else off. And that's their plan. Um, And it kind of sort of works. (laughs) I mean, um, again, like it's really weird because, you know, I, I guess most people wouldn't think of like Steven Spielberg as like an action director. Um, but after the first scene, which, by the way, 
he handled the camera for a lot of that first scene. So some of the shots are Steven Spielberg running with a camera uh, on on the beach, um, you know. And for this final scene, I don't know. Like it's it's kind of I wouldn't say confusing, but obviously there's a lot of stuff going on. And you do kind of have an idea of the layout. You kind of know where the bridge is and you know where they're trying to fall back to. Um, but obviously you've then got this town where they're all hiding out in different places. Um, <clears throat> and basically this is how can we kill our heroes off? <laughs> and um, uh, like, and that, I mean, I mean, you know, I, I say that a bit flippantly, but this is like, obviously we, we kind of know that this is war and people are going to die. And so, you know, when the Panzers don't take the bait and they kind of go down the wrong street, uh, they've got to take him out with the sticky bombs. One guy forgets that the sticky bomb is a bomb and blows himself up as he goes to put the bomb on, which is like kind of, you're like, oh, yeah. Um, and then, like, they kind of manage to ambush some of the troops. Uh, they get the sticky bombs onto one of the tanks, which stops. Um, and then they throw a few grenades into the tank. But as they do that, uh, 20 millimeter comes out and starts shooting them. So although they are successful at dropping all the grenades in, some of them get shot to pieces before they can even get off the tank. Um, and, you know, obviously we're seeing from uh, Jackson's point of view as he's kind of killing people. And he's obviously being very religious about it and <laughs> kind of talking to God. And as he's doing that, you know, like, he, you know, he's very good. He's taken a lot of people out. Uh, but he neglects the fact that there's some people inside the tank that he Yikes. didn't get. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, he's the first to go as as the tank takes down the clock tower and blows him up. Um, you know, and you know, uh, a, a kind of a great performance from Barry Pepper in this film. Like you really, I think it's funny because some of the other guys kind of make fun of him and call him a hick or whatever. And uh, of course, in that one line, he says that you know he's an instrument of war. Um, and which apparently was an improv line from him. So, uh, but yeah, Barry Pepper just he, he like his characters is kind of you know very much like about the business of shooting people from a distance, and pretty much nothing else. <laughs> like yeah. that is his main thing: God and shooting people from a distance. <laughs> and he was pretty good as a sniper. And you know, I'm kind of sad that he's like the first out of all the guys to go in this particular kind of fight. Um, you know. Uh, and we find in one of the rooms Henderson, uh, who I didn't mention, uh, but he's uh, he's one of the guys who kind of was already in the, the, the kind of town. Um, he's been with them for, you know, a little bit. Um, he gets shot in like the neck or something and he's like spurting yeah. blood and he's lying on the floor. Um, you know, he's in a room with uh, Mellish and obviously Mellish has been kind of shooting out the windows. They've also been throwing uh, uh, some of the grenades back. <laughs> Yeah, uh, like the little grenade sticks and it's just like i don't know it's just like tennis because they keep throwing them in and they keep throwing them back right. it's like instantly <laughs> it's like get a better grenade uh hitler i mean you know um and so what i what i love about this is um i should also say that like those those grenade those, those stick grenades were notorious for not going off as well the germans hated them um huh. but i guess because they were nazis that's a good thing like so um <laughs> Yeah, ultimately, we wanted them to lose the war, so it's good that their stuff didn't work. Yeah. Right. But, but as as, yeah. As, yeah. as somebody who would have been in the army, you know, a soldier, it would have been very frustrating when your equipment wasn't working right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we get probably, I don't know, like, I mean, obviously, love Adam Goldberg, and this kind of fight with this German is so kind of devastating, like, as they're kind of rolling around um and eventually the german ends up on top with a knife and it's just over Mellish's heart and he kind of just gradually 
like kind of pushes it into him I, I hate uh, the scene slowly. Time. Yeah. I hate yeah. It. Uh, and then I get so I, mad at up him and I'm like, get your butt up there. Yeah. Get up there. Well, yeah. You're so we close. Say, yeah, we should say Melish called for oh. more ammo and up him was at the base of the stairs about to go up, but he's just kind of frozen. Yeah. Um, and he just doesn't go up and he just hears this kind of this kind of murder taking place. Um, you know, as Melish is kind of gradually kind of like stabbed and then the German just comes down the stairs and walks past up and doesn't he isn't even like yeah. he doesn't even acknowledge him really. He just kind of walks past and just leaves. Um and it is kind of I mean, I, in, from from Upham's point of view as well, it, like there were a lot of Germans, like the base, like around the base of that building. So for him to kind of come out, there's a good chance he would have been shot, um, you know, before he got a chance to get upstairs. But yeah, he's just kind of paralyzed, um, and you know, he he just lets this German go, and it's yeah, it's it, that scene is devastating just to kind of see uh, Mellish kind of get killed. Was this? Um, uh... Was this knife the same knife that Caparzo gave to him on the beach? It says this is like a Hitler youth knife and gives it to him. I was wondering yeah. if that was the same exact knife. Yeah, yeah it uh, is. Okay. Um, I also missed saying that when uh, when Wade died, the letter was transferred to Captain Miller uh, from Caparzo. So right. that probably will go to one more person before the end of this film, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean... He, he, at the beginning, his eyes were def. That guy was definitely Captain Miller. You know, all old, wasn't he? So, right, right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, you know, we get a second tank arrives. Obviously, with the first tank being out of commission, it, it has to go towards the bridge. So the plan has worked. Um, but at this point, you know, they're being overwhelmed with troops. Uh, there's a there's a, a couple of like bazookas being shot off, and then there's a lot of people being you know shot that are in these little kind of mini troop carrier things. There's a few people get some grenades thrown at them. Um, and you know they kind of they decide that they're going to have to like kind of um, drop back. Horvath goes to get Upham uh, and kind of gets shot. Um, and then Miller and Ryan, uh, because obviously Ryan has got to stay near Miller because you know that's the mission. Uh, they decide that they're going to drop back to Alamo so that they can blow up the bridge. Um, you know they've got to kind of set up the, the the kind of the fuse first before they can do that. So they're going to go do that. Um, and. But before they do that, they do this wonderful thing where they've got uh, a bunch of like, um, I, I don't know what they are, like kind of um, like rocket things. And uh, they need like a, a thing to fire them, but they haven't got it. So Matt Damon just starts hitting the base of the rockets yeah. to Tom Hanks and he just starts throwing them. And I was like, I forgot that this happened, but this is like one of my favorite things in this entire battle. Like everybody's shooting guns, but this guy's just like, let's throw some like little rocket things. <laughs> well, yeah, because they, they set it up earlier that the mortar got taken out. They they had a mortar, yeah. but it was taken out. So they got the ammo, but the ammo's no good <laughs> without a tube. So they they make they do it uh, makeshift it. Yeah, but I like that the, this is like kind of maybe the biggest contribution that Ryan gets, where he's like, we don't need the tube to fire him. We can just. We could just set them up and then throw them. Yeah. And it's just like, it's like, oh, so he does have, you know, some value as like a soldier. Um, but yeah, it still means there's tons of Nazis approaching. So even though they're throwing these things and blowing them up, you know, and even landing some really good hits. So like there's some good throws that uh, Tom Hanks pulls off here in terms of like blowing up some Nazis. Uh, they've still got to fall back. Uh, you know, they're being overwhelmed, basically, um, you know. And as they're falling back, Horvath, you know, he keeps, he's got a, he's got a um, bazooka, and so he's having um, up and kind of like load the bazooka so he can shoot at the tank. 
um, but you know it's not stopping it really. And they're they're kind of gra- gradually getting towards the bridge, um, you know. But uh, you know Horvath is is kind of he's been hit, um, you know, uh, and uh, you know we kind of get to the point where everyone is kind of almost at Alamo. And then the Panzer kind of like shoots, <laughs> blows it up, um, which leaves Tom Hanks once again, as he was on the beach, uh, kind of dazed. And he, um, you know, he kind of he's he's kind of out of it and he kind of gets up and he can see that he's got to kind of set the fuse. Uh, so he tries to do that. But obviously they're getting shot from all sides. Um, and, you know, he's kind of badly wounded, um, you know. Uh, and I think Ryben has kind of finally joined them all. Um, obviously, Horvath is not doing well. Uh, and what I think is like a kind of around this time, I, th- I think it is, is this where Horvath kind of like dies. And so. yeah. yeah, yeah, he he kind of finally dies after being shot a ton of times. And then you know Miller is kind of on his last legs, literally just sitting up against the wall, <laughs> and and he kind of resorts to like his his pistol. That's all he's got on him. And he just keeps shooting it at the tank. And I, I again, like, this feels like Steven Spielberg is putting a little bit of kind of humor in here because obviously the pistol's going to do nothing against that tank. Right. Like, it's basically him waiting to blow the bridge up so when the tank is on there so he can just basically kill himself along with the tank. And then the tank explodes. And <laughs> I like the kind of shocked look on Tom Hanks' face. He's like, <laughs> what? Like, as if his, like, little gun blew up this tank. Um, and, of course, he, he instantly looks up. And we get a couple of seconds where you think, did he just blow up that tank? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, no, uh, the Airborne have come in and they've, you know, dropped a, a couple of bombs and they've blown up some of the tanks. And, yeah, they've started to, you know, bomb some of the Nazis as well. So the tide has turned, yeah. um, you know, just as... Um, you know, Miller is kind of, you know, t- kind of not really going to, like, he's just, wait- I mean, it's funny because obviously people start yelling medic, don't they? And it's like, I, I'm not sure that that's going to help at this point, but we've seen his eyes at the beginning of the film. He's an old man, so yeah. I'm sure he's going to survive this. Um, <laughs> and fine. this is, of course, where we see Steamboat Willie return um, with all the soldiers and... Upham, who has basically been just lying in the dirt, trying not to get killed, with all this ammo wrapped around his neck like a scarf. Um, he he obviously realizes that when they let him go, that was obviously a mistake. And so, you know, as the Germans are now being overwhelmed, they all start to kind of, uh, uh, you know, uh, surrender. And, um, you know, Upham kind of puts his gun on them. You know, they all they're all there surrendering. And, you know, Steamboat Willie kind of try, tries to get in his good graces. Uh, by saying his name and of course that is the thing that finally kind of triggers up him and he shoots him um and you know which i think is a war crime but uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. Him in this case. yeah you know shooting a surrendering soldier is generally not a good thing but he then tells the rest of the german soldiers get out of here like he's gonna free them but i think he obviously knows that they're gonna be captured pretty quickly so they're not gonna get very far um but yeah, I mean, I, I think that moment is kind of interesting because Upham doesn't, he's hes not happy about doing it. Like, it doesn't look like a, a moment of, like, you know, a triumph or anything. It's just kind of, you know, he just kind of has to do it because, you know, he, he feels, you know, he, he's, the funny thing is Steamboat Willie is the one who manages to land a shot on Miller. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's seen this guy shoot his captain who was the one who kind of let him go free. And so he's like, well... There's only yeah. so much irony this film can sustain. Right. So he's got to die. You're not going to make that uh, mistake a second time. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. 
Uh, and obviously, you know, Miller is on his last legs, literally. I mean, he's just sitting down, gradually dying. And so obviously, you know, he calls Ryan over and he says to him, earn this. And, you know, and then, you know, it's it's kind of weird because then we get the, you know, the as we've seen the kind of, uh, you know, the, the Alliance troops kind of take over this village and kind of take control. Uh, we then get the letter that would be sent out to, you know, uh, Private Ryan's mother telling him that, you know, telling her, sorry, that the, you know, the three have died and they're sending home her fourth son to be by her side. Um, and of course, we then focus intently on the eyes of Matt Damon <laughs> as we match cut back to the present day. The present day being, of course, 1998. Great gift. Uh, not 2021. That'd be an interesting, uh, <laughs> an interesting jump. Right. Well, um, in, a, yeah. in a way, it does jump ahead to you know, let's say 2020, 2021, because a meme is born in this scene. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the old man, a young man turning into an old man meme. And I feel that often. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've got, obviously, you know, they cast um, Harrison Young perfectly because like, as soon as you know, it's Matt Damon, it's old Matt Damon, effectively, you know, as soon as you know, this is what Matt Damon has to look forward to in his future. Um, you know, like, it works so perfectly, you know, and I get, you know, you could, you could see it as being a bit gimmicky to kind of do that match cut back to the eyes. Um, but, you know, they faked us out the first time, um, you know, for the first time on film, <laughs> Tom Hanks dies. Um, Is this the first time? He huh? dies off screen in Philadelphia, as ah. was pointed out to me on that podcast. He dies off screen on a league of their own because he's an old man. And when they come to the present day, he was like 80 something and he died in the seventies. So this is the first time we've actually seen him die on screen, Um, which considering that he's done like 22 films before this, this is kind of remarkable that, you know, yeah, yeah, I think there's a scene where Daryl Hannah kills him in Splash, but they said they didn't play very well. So. Well, I mean, that led to splash. Like there was a splash sequel. There was like a yeah. TV movie that Tom Hanks didn't appear in. So, and if they did, if, that, if there so. was a scene, sorry, if there was a scene that was filmed, Disney Plus would have just re-edited it out anyway. So. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So him, you know, Tom Hanks. Uh, the funny thing about Tom Hanks is he was in a slasher film called He Knows You're Alone in 1980, and his character was meant to die. But he was so good on screen that the director was like, I don't want to kill this guy off. <laughs> so, <he laughs> so from his first film, Tom Hanks has survived. And I'm guessing some of the films that were set like in the past, like, I don't know, Volunteers or something. His character is probably dead in the modern day. Um, right. And I did discuss this at the end of uh, Every Time We Say Goodbye. He gets in a plane and flies off back into World War Two. Oh. <laughs> There's a good chance he didn't survive that. But right. this is the first time we actually see him die on screen. And, you know. It is a it's a great death scene. Like it's you know it's one for the ages where he just kind of, you know he's he just kind of stops breathing and just kind of his head kind of goes down and that's it. Like one last really convincing, you know, bit of sage Tom Hanks advice, fatherly advice, <laughs> and then dies yeah, just yeah. as you would think you'd go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I wish he would have taken something from like his younger days where he was like, you know, when he was still kind of funny in movies and he was like, eh, you know, just over the top and just <laughs> real animated that scene. <laughs> yeah, it might have played. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I, in, instead, he goes to something very subtle. Yeah. Um, I guess it was and, a good choice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what I mean, what I like, per, like about it is just the fact that, um, you know, obviously, you know, 
the the last person he talks to <laughs> before he dies is Private Ryan, you know, the man that they came to save. Um, but you know, it's just like the fact that he he like you know, like he's he he kind of succeeded in his mission. Like that's the that's the thing. It's like you know, um, I like like he was gonna like they've got to save Private Ryan, and you know they did, and it's it's like you know. Six of them died, <laughs> so um, you know. Obviously, the the kind of like the most cowardly one, and the one who is obviously an indie darling, uh, Ed Burns, they get to live. Uh, but basically, everybody else, you know, got had to die. Um, and I think even Tom Sizemore does like a kind of a good like dead body, just kind of lying yeah. next yeah. to Tom, staring right next at to the Tom camera. Hanks for a couple of minutes. Um, you know, and he kind of fought to the end. I think I think Horvath kind of went out fighting, and I, you know, I like that about him. Oh yeah, when he was getting um, shot, it looked like it angered him more than it uh, <laughs> hurt him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was just like, "Stop shooting at me!" Yeah. Trying to trying to kill some Nazis here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, like the voiceover, the letter again. It's kind of I would you know some people might say it's a bit kind of like you know sentimental and stuff, but it kind of makes sense. We had the kind of voiceover earlier about the kind of you know. Um, like when the when the, we kind of found out that the other brothers were dead, um, you know, and so the match cut kind of really, you know, it's like oh, the old guy was Matt Damon. That makes a lot of sense, um, you know. And again, like the the guy who's doing it, like Harrison Young, you know, this is kind of like probably the most high profile role he's had, um, and he does a like when he comes back to the present, he does a great kind of like performance where he's like, you know, um you know, am I a good man? Like, you know, did I lead a good life? Like, right. did like, like, you know, kind of just trying to figure out, you know, all these guys died trying to get him home, you know, and has he kind of lived up to like that effort, you know, like throughout the film, we've had so many times when, you know, all the troops were like, why are we doing this for this one guy again? Um, you know, like, and so to get to the end of the film and be, and kind of be completely with Ryan and be like, yeah, you know, like it, you know, obviously, you know he helped out during the battle you know he helped secure that village and then you know obviously you know he it's clear he's had a good life he's got a couple of kids he's got some grandkids i'm guessing otherwise those three blonde girls have just randomly followed them <laughs> um and you know like it's it's just it's it's kind of just like a nice way and you know obviously they kind of you know they they kind of say you know like his wife comes over and kind of reads the grave and says you know captain john h miller and you know, we see the you know we see the day he died. You know, it was sixteenth, sorry, thirteenth of June, nineteen forty four. So this whole movie is just you know. a week. <laughs> yeah, I, it, I mean, it's funny actually because like I'm trying to think. Oh, um, another film Leland Orson was in seven uh, had like a countdown of like seven days. They could have done the same thing here. They could, <laughs> yeah, they could have counted down the seven days before they successfully saved Private Ryan. <laughs> Um, you know, because it was just a week from the the landings to this, but yeah, I mean, you know, and then obviously he salutes him. Again, people might think that's a bit cheesy, but I think you know it's a nice little kind of thing to kind of round off the film. Um, and then you know the American flag fades into interview before we go to credits. Um, you know, the American flag was also kind of flapping around at the beginning as well. Yeah, I personally am not that sentimental about the American flag because I'm not American. Right, um, right, <laughs> but you know. It's still it's still kind of like a nice uh, a nice sentiment, um, you know, kind of like to conclude the film. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, like we said, you know, Tom Hanks was nominated, I think, for 
um, some stuff. Uh, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of awards that this thing was nominated for. Uh, Jan- Janusz Kaminski actually won the Oscar for uh, for the cinematography. Huh. And uh, Michael Kahn, who did the editing, uh, he also won an award. Um, as did the sound and the sound effects editing. Um, the teams there, they, they, won, uh, they won the awards. Uh, which I think is justified, I would say. Um, oh, gosh, yeah. Some of know. the sound design in this movie, I forgot to mention when the, the, right before the Battle of Fictional Rommel, uh, um, uh, just them waiting and hearing them, the Nazis getting closer and closer, this roar of the tanks, like it, it almost sounded like Godzilla was approaching. <laughs> you know? uh, John Williams was nominated for the score, um, as was the makeup, which, I mean, I don't know why it didn't win. I mean... There's some amazing stuff in this film in terms of, in terms of the makeup. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Robert Rodat was also nominated for for the screenplay. Uh, Tom Hanks was nominated. Steven Spielberg won, and obviously the film itself was nominated for Best Picture, which it did not win. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, at the BAFTAs, it only won one award, which was uh, Best Sound, which I guess that makes sense. Um, oh, and Best Best uh, Visual Effects as well at the BAFTAs as well. But again, those are the two things that you would kind of yeah. expect. Because when it comes to the BAFTAs, we don't like to give awards to foreign films. Um, <laughs> British films win BAFTAs. Um, much like, I don't know, what the, what's the Canadian award now? Like the Genies? Is it something like that? This, yeah. like, the Canadian Film Awards? But like David Cronenberg wins every year. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, just, it's just for Canadians. Um, but yeah, uh, it, John Williams did win for the, uh, the BMI uh, Film Music Award. Uh, Jeremy Davis was nominated for uh, Blockbuster Entertainment Award Favorite Supporting Actor. Mm. I mean, I don't know why Jeremy Davis was picked out. I guess he was a point of view character in a couple of scenes, so mm-hmm. um, that makes sense. Um, but yeah, you know, it won. Um, you know, it won the best foreign film at the Czech Lions. Uh, I'm assuming for that scene where they shoot the Czech guys, that probably pushed it over the edge. <laughs> Um, but yeah, just so many, you know, one, it won the, the, the best director and best motion picture drama at the Golden Globes. Um, and the weirdest thing is normally the best motion picture drama is the best indicator as to who will win the best picture at the Oscars. And this is one of the rare years where the director won, but the film didn't, um, which is a, a rare. It was a rarity at the Oscars. Once they expanded it to like 10 films it became less of a rarity because the director and picture thing would get split more often. But before they did that, it was extremely rare. I think the last time it happened before this was Driving Miss Daisy, mm-hmm. uh, where the fil- where the director didn't win, but the film did. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so many awards. Like every kind of critics association, it won everything. Um, it was nominated for Best Action Sequence at the MTV Movie Awards. It did not win. Um, I don't know what beat it in 98. I don't know what... I don't know what I, I I don't understand what won, but uh, uh, yeah. So, but I mean, you know, just tons and tons of awards. Uh, at the Satellite Awards, Tom Sizemore got uh, Best Supporting Actor, which I think, you know, it's nice that he got something that year. He did drop um, the title in yeah. the movie somewhere along the way. Uh, I forget what the line was, but he does say <laughs> yeah. Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I should have made a note of that because I love when people say the title of the film <laughs> yeah. in the film. Um you know, probably one of my favorites is in um, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King, where someone says, no one will stop the return of the king. And I'm like, it's the title of the movie. They said it. Um, well, that's what I call a return of the king. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, it was interesting because I saw Halloween Kills yesterday, and at a certain point, somebody did kind of lean over and just go, I guess this is why Halloween kills. And I yeah. thought, this, that place. I mean, and then they, I, I saw that too, and then they went, wink. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I, I, was like I, I feel like they could have done that better. But, you know, <laughs> Stanley McBride, he's not subtle. Um, yeah. So I feel like we should now go to judgments. Uh, for those, uh, obviously, who are following along, there are only two judgments that we could pass on the film. And they are T. Hanks or no T. Hanks. Um, and there have been some shocks in the past where people have no T. Hanks a certain film and people have been like, well. And there are some shocks coming up in the future for some episodes I've recorded where people have T. Hanks stuff that I don't think deserves it. Uh, but I think we might be all on the same page here. Uh, but we will still start with uh, Brian first. Uh, T. Hanks? No T. Hanks. T. Hanks? Yeah. Um, and Robin? Yeah, uh, for certain, and I, I did, I've been meaning to mention it throughout this entire uh, review, but I actually was born on June six, so I am automatically T. Hanks <laughs> by birth. I have a friend of mine also born on uh, June six, and every day I always, I mean, every birthday I say Happy D Day. I mean B Day. You know, and every <laughs> yeah. year I do it, and it never gets old. Yep. At least that's what she tells me. <laughs> yeah, I always used to kind of make a joke uh, saying like, oh, yeah, it would be I was born on D-Day. I mean, not a, I wasn't born in yeah. 44, but. <laughs> right. <laughs> you look phenomenal for your age. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh, I, I share my birthday with uh, Laura Palmer, the girl who was Oh, gosh. Um, oh, <laughs> nice, nice. And she and she was murdered on my brother's birthday. His birthday's in February. So. How sweet Some of family her. connections there with Twin Peaks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a tea hangs for me, obviously. I mean, it's just, I mean, to me, I'm like, why didn't I watch this film again since I saw it at the cinema? <laughs> why, yeah. don't I, why don't I have the DVD, which I'm sure I will have to buy at some point in the near future. Again, I think it's probably just too expensive all the time. Um, but yeah, it's just, you know, um, like there's a reason why it was nominated for so many things, won so many things. Again, Shakespeare in Love should not have won Best Picture. It definitely should have just been director and film that year. Um, you know, but it, it's kind of deserved for Spielberg as well. I think, like, you know, I mean, it's kind of interesting that, like, this is the first time that he works with Hanks, and then they obviously work together a lot more after this. Um, and I, I think, like, the kind of the interesting thing with Steven Spielberg, as I said, like, he tried so hard with so many other films, including Amistad, which came out the year before this, um, to like win the Oscars and he kept trying to make these films that were like Oscar bait and every time you know the Oscars were like um no thank you Stephen uh you know like we'll nominate the color purple for I don't know nine Oscars and then we'll give you zero <laughs> like like that seemed to be like the eternal sticking point of like he's never gonna win um and then obviously um you know Schindler's List, you know, Jurassic Park, like 1993, it was like, you know, he's ruling the roost, like, um, and then just like the, you know, after this as well, I mean, uh, you know, like there's some people who are like huge, like Steven Spielberg fans in the same way there are people who are like huge Disney fans or whatever. Um, and, you know, I would say I've seen probably, I don't know, 75% of everything he's made. Uh, I had the misfortune of seeing Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull three times in three days when that oh came my out. Oh gosh! Because uh, I went with different friends on different days. Yeah. Um, <laughs> are you Are you okay? <laughs> I'm. F uh, yeah. Well, I'm fine. Uh, obviously, I'll talk about Bridge of Spies later on because Tommy's in that, and I'll talk about the Post later on uh, because yeah. Tommy's in that. 
Um, and obviously, a couple of years after this, I saw um, AI. You know, I thought it was enjoyable. I mean, Minority Report, catch me if you can. That's a great year. Like, um, But it just felt like, you know, he kept trying to make films to win an Oscar. And people just didn't want to give him the Oscar. And then, you know, he won for this. And everyone's like, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, you know, it's so weird. How, like, there's, a, there's like a list of directors that like won before he did. And you're like, huh? Like, how did Robert Redford win for Best Director before Steven Spielberg? Like, it just doesn't make any... The, the Oscars in the 80s did not make any sense whatsoever. Um, but yeah, you know, like, I think the, you know, more recent stuff that he's done, like the BFG and Ready Player One and whatever, like, eh, you know, kind of middling stuff. Nah. Um, but, you know, when he wants to, you know, he, he can direct the hell out of a film. And, uh, you know, this is, you know, this is the reason why this film is so highly rated everywhere. <laughs> like... Um, you know, I have a feeling that this is no, it's not the highest rated because uh, Cash Me If You Can is ninety six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> um, but like outside of like the Toy Story films, you know, the films, the, the two films that he did with Spielberg during this period were kind of like the two highest rated films for Tom Hanks. So, um, you know, clearly they know what they're doing. Um, and then of course they reunite for the Terminal, and I'm like, Oof. oh dear. Um, <laughs> But, you know, that is coming up in the very near future. Um, but before we go, uh, let's go to plugs. Uh, I'm going to start with uh, Brian. Is there anything that you wish to plug uh, before we finish? Yeah, uh, thanks. Uh, well, uh, I mean, I'm from the Marine Corps Movie Minute podcast where we I've been doing, well, I should say I've not been doing Marine Corps Movie Minutes one minute at a time. Um, I'm currently on hiatus with that one, but we can be found at the Marine Corps Movie Minute pod on Instagram. And but what I am currently working on is uh, I'm with Travis Bow doing the Marvel Events po- uh, Marvel Events Timeline podcast where we're going through Marvel Comics, uh, the major events, the, the major milestones, and uh, we're starting back in the timely timely era, uh, going through the Atlas, and then eventually the the Marvel Age as we know it. Um, you know, hitting the major high points. Uh, so that you can find us over at the. Marvel Events Pod on Instagram. Great stuff. And Robin, is there anything that you wish to plug before we go? Oh yeah. Uh, basically, I uh, I do a minute by minute podcast too. It's called Karate Kid Minute. I uh, recap the Karate Kid movies uh, minutes at a time, depending on which movie we're you're, we're talking about. Um, and I also uh, cover the uh, CW show Superman and Lois on uh, Superman and Lois TV Talk. And yeah, you can find those shows uh, on the internet because I don't remember the URLs. <laughs> uh, true story about Karate Kid. Uh, I saw Karate Kid Part 3 at the cinema with my dad and my brothers. Um, and I'd obviously seen Karate Kid 1 many times. Never seen Karate Kid Part 2. No. Um, in my entire time. Well, if you want to listen to two-minute by two-minute coverage of Karate Kid Part 2... <laughs> Tune in. <laughs> he has he has some great guests on that that uh, se- uh, season too. So you know, you oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you can find us uh, uh, the extremely awkward Twitter handle t underscore ft memory. Um, thanks to both of you for being my guest this week. Thanks for having us. Yeah, and, thanks for having us and yeah. dealing with things <laughs> in our recordings. <laughs> Sorry about the editing. <laughs> Outside influences. <laughs> yes. Uh, now, I don't want to rush off, but I think I've just had an alert. I think 
uh, I might have some mail. 